they really have to understand that digital solutions or technology can help them. This can be done by dialogues, by transparency, by communication on the same level, and of course by involvement. You are listening to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. The manufacturing sector is evolving and the work that happens on the front line is the key to driving future readiness. On each episode, we bring you conversations with global leaders in industrial companies. Our goal is to discuss trends, stories and people in digital manufacturing and offer the latest insight into solutions. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources at operationsone.com. I'm your podcast host, Benjamin Brockman. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence, and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information. Hi, Victor. Welcome to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. Hi, Benjamin. Thanks a lot. Great to have you on the show, Victor. Could you give me a short overview of who you are and what you are doing? Of course. My name is Victor. I'm working at BSF Coatings in Münster. I'm responsible here for the Department of Transport Management, Goods Received, Raw Material Laboratory and Project Management EMEA. You are an expert in logistics. How are logistics looking today and how relevant is Industry 4.0 or digitalization for you? First of all, I think it's quite relevant. Digitalization and industry are relevant for all of us. You can feel digitalization everywhere. But of course, there are always boundaries and we feel it here as well. Our site is more than 100 years old. Usually we use old production buildings for our logistics infrastructure. And we work on digitalization, but of course, a lot of things are still hands-on, a lot of things are manual, and we move things mainly in logistics. My department is responsible for the administrative logistics, for the project management, but in general, yeah, we move the goods from A to B and are not 100% digital. Today, we want to deep dive into the world of innovation and digitalization within corporates. So my question would be, what is innovation for you? What does it mean for you personally and probably for you within BASF? Yeah, I think the word innovation is quite wide and you need your own definition in order to follow innovation. We started to define the word innovation when we started with our digitalization initiative. And uh, I was appointed as innovation manager back then. But we also said that Innovation can be something that exists already. So we have a site collaboration of different logistics sites. We talk about 400 in BSF and 45 in Europe. We said if something is new on a certain site that was invented somewhere else, then it's still innovative. So we said innovation is something new for a certain site in a certain area. And that's how we started. We said we want to focus on different things, different technologies, want to try them, want to create experience, want to find out how we can use them, want to find out what kind of benefit they create. Then in the end, it's 
up to everybody at every site to define if it's innovative or not. So we said everything that's new, everything that helps, everything that changes the status quo is innovative. What I find interesting when one think about innovation, usually you think about startups or small companies. And sometimes there's that feeling that the bigger companies get, the harder it is to foster innovation or to get innovation to real life. I would like to understand how BASF as a very big corporate is fostering innovation. So which kind of tools, frameworks, guidelines do you have within your company? I mean, as you said, BSF is a big company, a big corporation. We are one part of it. I'm working at BSF Coatings, so we produce mainly automotive coatings. And of course, we are part of the big BSF family with all the centralized units, all the central developments and so forth. And of course, we have a huge group and a huge amount of people that work on digitalization and innovation as well. And we can talk about the disruptive things that will change the status quo in the next, I don't know, 20 years. We talk about new things that pop up that came to the market within the last years. But still, we also talk about the standard process, the movement of a good from A to B, and the transformation from a paper-based process to a digital one. And that can still be digital. And that's somehow our intention because we are a small side, we are a small logistics team. And of course, we have all those headline-breaking innovations in BSF that are sometimes really huge. But still, we have also to think about the smaller things or the changes on a local area, the changes of today's processes. And there it can even be innovative to change a paper-based checklist to a digital one. And so. BSF has a central unit that organizes digitalization. We have then digital champions in the different areas, like in procurement, in marketing, in production, in logistics, in HR. And then we have the local heroes that support the transformation on site. And they're usually those ones who do the transformation, who take the people with them to set the fire, to implement the solutions. And we do this. So we are in contact with the centralized organizations. We also see what's proper and valuable for us. But we also work on the not probably that fancy things in the operational business. And so the central unit and then the different departments, the operational divisions, the business units, and then the departments, they usually have their own strategy and their own people that, of course, are connected and linked to each other. But you can think it like that. It's somehow that we also want to have our own vision and our own idea about digitalization. And of course, we differ compared to the targets of a centralized strategy department regarding digitalization. So you say there are different kind of levels of innovation. On the one hand side, you have, for example, a 10-year vision, which is probably coming from the central unit. It's more about technologies, for example, how the company should evolve within the next 10 years. And then you have some other levels, which is probably much more operational. You talked about the checklist, for example, where you have to innovate on a daily basis and improve processes with innovation. Is that right? So you have to align or balance between these different levels of innovation. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, there are a lot of communities, a lot of exchange meetings and We have a digital community here at Coatings as well. And when I participate, we have a lot of 
let's say, customer-oriented things. We have a lot of end-consumer market strategies. We are a company that is producing and manufacturing. So, of course, there's a whole focus also on the production part. And there's a lot of focus also on sales channels, for instance, and marketing things. But some of them are touching needs and requirements in the next years. Of course, we also see where we have potentials today to optimize, to probably change and optimize in little steps, in small steps. And as you said, the variety of digitalization is so huge and so wide that we focus on a little part. And of course, we keep an eye on the future. But of course, we also want to change today's processes. And that's a daily doing. You mentioned innovation building in a centralized and decentralized manner already. Is there one truth? So should innovation be centralized in big corporates or it should be decentralized at all? How do you think about that? No, as you said, as you described it well, I think you need both. Like the stream of time has different periods and has different phases. And of course, you should foster all of them. If you only work for the next 10 years, starting in 10 years, then you lose 10 years. And if you forget to think about the future, if you only think about today, of course, you miss the future. But of course, sometimes we think that those innovative ideas or the emphasis that we put on the most disruptive things, on the most beneficial things are probably the best ones. But sometimes the small changes help as well. And you have to set the basis first before you change the future. And today we have to really build the basis, we have to collect data, we have to start to eliminate paperwork, we have to become more transparent about our KPIs, about our operational data. And then we can, of course, change and have this, this bigger impact as well. And sometimes we forget the small things, we only think about the big things. Do you use specific tools or frameworks at BASF to foster the innovation at your site, for example, or keep the central unit and you as a decentralized unit in sync? So are there specific tools? Well, I think we have those general tools and frames that everybody knows. We have strategies, we have teams, we have communities that deal with those topics. We try to align, we try to find familiar targets, aims. But in the end, everybody's responsible for his part and everybody puts one piece to the picture. And there, of course, uh, you have different perspectives, uh, different targets that should be somehow aligned. As I said, if you have a digital approach in a laboratory or in the production or in R&D, of course, it might defer to operational topics like in transport management. Victor, I understood that BASF has a centralized and a decentralized innovation framework and you are able to to balance that different levels of innovation in your site or within the headquarters. So the foundation is there, let's call it like that. But how do you get innovation to real life? Which kind of mindset, for example, is needed within your team, within your company, that you have the right culture, the right mindset to bring innovation to life? Yeah, we believe that innovation and digitalization key are the people. Is the mindset that you said is the culture. We do a lot about it. We have those offers for trainings, for skill level enhancement. We have those communities. 
we kind of have this failure culture to try out things, to learn from mistakes. But as I said, the biggest issue is to reach everybody. And it's quite easy on a certain management level or if you have a certain background, if you have a social background or a university degree or whatever. But if you really come as far as you come down, as more complicated it becomes. We have people here that don't understand all the big changes that easily. They are not reading those magazines or that watch those documentaries or that have this context to disruptive innovation. And they are used to work sometimes as we started 30 years ago. You also have to get those people and make them understand the benefits and how the change of the status quo helps them. And they are quite skeptic. Sometimes they even believe that they are more digital in their private life than in the business life. And of course, you have to show them that digital initiatives help them also to perform their daily business better and that there is no harm for their jobs or that they have to be afraid to lose their job. They really have to understand that digital solutions or technology can help them. This can be done by dialogues, by transparency, by communication on the same level, and of course, by involvement. If I want to be innovative as an employee, I need time for it. So sometimes I think it's pretty hard to, on the one hand side, be innovative, but on the other hand side, you have your daily operations. How do you solve that at BASF, that you communicate, we need to be innovative, but on the other hand side, please do your job, please do your operations? That's the second task that's quite difficult and hard to perform, I think. Especially right now, when you talk about the lack of employees, the lack of workforce, lack of capacities, if you realize a certain pressure on operations, competition, then it's really hard. We are in a crisis modus right now, and everybody tries to do what's possible. We had this pandemia, and people could not support from day one to the next. We had loss of almost 50% in operations. And of course, in these times, you try to get out what has to get out. You try to deliver what you can deliver, to pack and pick what you can pack and pick. So you don't have time or a freedom of mind to think about new things or additional things. And I think that's the secret on how to reach the people. You have to somehow give them the freedom to try and to think and to come up with ideas, but that's pretty hard. And especially if you lose a lot of employees due to illness or sickness. So that's the biggest challenge right now. And of course, right now, we also try to take those people, those employees that have those ideas, that have this mindset and to open them rooms to get involved and to bring in their ideas. But then, of course, other people have to cover it. And um, I also believe that right now it's even harder to have this whole company, whole department approach that everybody's involved. It's not possible right now. But in the end, not everybody wants to be part of this development, on the other hand. And you always have people that just want to do what they always do. So the amount of people that want to be innovative is smaller. That helps us also to give them freedom and give them room. But yeah, those days and those times right now make innovative thinking even harder than before. Victor, you mentioned failure culture as well. 
And I truly believe in failure culture. And I think this is a very important tool to make innovation much more impactful and to foster innovation. But sometimes I feel like it's very easy to say that we have a failure culture in a company, but it's much harder to really bring it to life and to have people standing in front of the crowd and talking about their failures and having it in some kind of daily routine. So my question is, what is your experience with building or establishing a failure culture? And are you still in the mode to do that? Are you still on the way to achieve it or are you already there with your team? I think that you will never be there. It's always an approach that needs to be continued. And of course, what we try is to really understand quick and early if we have a benefit or if we can create value out of an idea or not. So we try to not to put too much time and too much money into ideas, but to really analyze what's necessary to fulfill this idea. And that helps us and that shows us where we are, how much time is needed, how much emphasis is needed. And sometimes also shows us that we failed and that our idea was not good or the time was not right yet. And that, of course, helps us to create experience. And out of the experience, we create value. So a failure should always be somehow an extent of experience. And then it's a benefit. And that's what we try to do. Of course, we fail. And of course, not everything is right and not everything is good. But we try to build out good experiences of good initiatives. And in the most cases, we foster on those, we call it smart solutions. Solutions that might be simple and easy, but that took some time to find them and took some time to implement them. But in the end, everybody is happy and everybody can use those technologies. And if you would say, oh, this idea is so simple, it could have been mine, then it's the idea that we are looking for. And uh, then we try to promote those ideas in order to motivate others to bring in their ideas. So that's more or less the way how we do it. We talk about the failures. We talk about the things that we learned out of the failures. And we promote those success stories that we created in order to motivate more people to participate. Let's make innovation a little bit more hands-on or bring it to real life within that podcast episode. I know that you have been innovative in the past with your team. Do you have an example project where you say this has been a great project, we have been innovative, we did learn something? Which one is it? Yeah, there are some projects that we did. There's one that was also picked up by our venture building team, and it deals with smart containers. We produce car coatings and we fill them into steel containers that we ship to the customer. Then we pick it up, we clean it, and then we refill it. Of course, we have one topic that's in the one project that we started and that was picked up also by the venture building team. And it's about smart steel containers. We use containers to bring our coatings to the customer. We pick them up and then we refill them and send them out again. And these assets are our own assets. So we have a big fleet and we didn't know where they are or we knew where they are, but we didn't know about the fill level measurement. And so we set up a sensor. We started to build it by ourselves together with partners. 
and created a lot of intellectual property and we're really close to start this venture. But unfortunately now we don't have the management background anymore due to the current economic situation. And therefore we are looking for a partner right now that helps us to bring this idea to life. That is, uh, let's say, quite close to become a digital baby. And this was started from operations, from an idea here in logistics and in the container management. And we really hope to find somebody who is helping us to bring this again to life. And we have some good conversations right now. Really hope that we find the perfect match here as well. Okay. Could you take us a little bit more on that journey on how this project evolved? Because you said there is the team of container management, for example, and I assume at a certain point they had that idea that they have an innovation and they want to bring it to life or they want to further work on it. How did they start and how you as a company then fostered this team building that innovation? Well, when we started in 2017 to have this digital initiative, we started to collect ideas, to collect potentials, and some came top down, some came bottom up. And this was an idea that was generated out of a digital exchange meeting. There was a company that said that they work on, let's say, fill level measurements for stationary containers. And then we came up with the idea that we have mobile containers and that we have the same issue. And then we started to screen the market and screen fairs and conferences about solutions. We couldn't find anything because the requirements are quite high here. We are in the chemical industry, so we have explosive zones, we have dangerous goods, we have wide range of customers all over the world. And we couldn't find anybody on the market to help us. So at one point, we were looking for somebody who could create a solution together with us as a joint collaboration. And out of this idea, yeah, we started a collaboration with a startup, with a technology startup, built our own solution. That was the beginning. We provided the requirements, we provided the experience, we provided the background. And of course, the technological competency came from the startup. And together, we created something new, which was or is innovative and disruptive in our point of view because we started to create a solution that is working based on machine learning compared to physical ways of measurements that are known until then. Did you have some learnings during that years where you say this kind of learnings or takeaways I have, I would do it again or I would do something different and you can share it with our listeners? Yeah, hundreds, I would say. We really found out that it's really complicated to create an IoT device, of course. Then, of course, we know that it's hard to build something new when your core product is something else. We are focused on chemicals. Here we talk about an IoT device. Of course, there are differences. Then, of course, within the internal collaboration, we started to build a team that was mixed out of the venture building team of the BSF Digital Incubation Unit and operational teams. There were different perspectives. We always had the conflict between being fast and being safe, being, let's say, groundbreaking or, let's say, durable. And yeah, in the end, we made a lot of mistakes. And I hope that everybody learned out of them. And then it's a good thing. 
yeah, but in the end, I think the biggest challenge was to really focus on a clear path, even though that you know that the potential is huge and you could go in this direction or this or in that, but to keep this part running that brings the biggest benefit and the best value. And that we missed out sometimes, unfortunately. Thanks for that learnings and takeaways. Victor, we talked about innovation in general. We focused on the mindset and which kind of tools or frameworks are needed to connect people within a company. In the last part of our show, I would like to focus a little bit more on the workforce, on your colleagues. So what is needed to align everybody, for example, within your team that you are going a specific path, you for example, double down on an innovation project and you want to have everybody on board? And which kind of obstacles did you see or do you see to do that, to have everybody on board? I believe that it's quite hard to get everybody on board. I think you never get everybody on board. I think it's possible to offer everybody to be part of the crew that sails on board, but you will always have people that don't want to join you. And I think it's important to focus on those ones who want to support, who want to sail with you, and to keep the potential and the option for those ones that don't want to join. Then, of course, you should be transparent about what you are doing, about the targets, the aims, about the how you want to reach it, and then offer different update moments in order to tell them the status quo, where you are, what you reached, what's still open. And then you need people that believe in the idea, that demonstrate that they are part of this vision and that take people with them. We can really feel it in one investigation that we run, and this deals with exoskeletons. We're now in the fourth wave of uh, exoskeletons. And from initiative to initiative, from wave to wave, from device to device, more and more people joined the community, let's say, to being interested, to seeing the benefits, to being interested in trying the devices. And this took a lot of time. And you should keep moving. You should have this continuous improvement, this continuous investigation. And then probably you can get more and more people that follow and that share your vision. Is the key to success to not put pressure on innovation and not put pressure on the people that shall commit to that innovation? Because as I understand you, I find that very interesting that you say you don't need everybody on board, but you communicate transparently to everybody and they can jump on board whenever they want. Yes, I think you always have people that are skeptical, that don't think that open or think that positive or that fast or whatever, but you should give them time and you should have people that are open to try things. Uh, we have another good example. We have interlogistics uh, processes here. So we move things from A to B within the site. And here we also implemented a solution that helps us to steer and navigate the different shipments and the different transports. And in the beginning, everybody or a lot of those people that are usually against things were against this new technology as well. But we had people that went into the sites, in the site production plants and to the different logistics segments, 
in order to give them a touch and feel and to show them how immediately you could place your order in the system. So we implemented the solution and right after we had the first, let's say, bug and the solution was not available anymore, we got complaints, especially from those ones who were against everything in the back time. And that was interesting because today everybody loves the solution. Nobody is against it. People appreciate it. And that's somehow the way how we did it. We had two or three people who were really into it. They showed and demonstrated how it works. They implemented the solution and they took the others with them, provided help, provided support. And in the end, everybody was happy. I believe that this must or should be the way to do it. And you can't do it in a different way if you want to be sustainable in what you do. Victor, you named some innovations in particular, like exoskeletons, smart containers in the middle of our podcast. Coming already to the last question, I assume that logistics will change in the next years. You mentioned some innovations. What is your vision for logistics? How will logistics look like 10 years from now, from your perspective? I think it's a good question. And I could start now to have this vision that you read and you see everywhere, that everything is connected and everything is linked to each other, that you have real-time information, that every single parcel is an IoT device and that you have smooth processes that are tracked and traced and that are steered from control tower. But I don't think that it will be like that. I still believe that we will have a lot of digital solutions, especially when you have greenfield approaches. If you have, let's say, really modern and really well-planned infrastructures, warehouses, and so forth. But logistics has always been something that made the best out of nothing. And you always will have those imperfect warehouses, imperfect processes that you try to make better. So I believe that we will still have somehow a familiar situation compared to today. Of course, the amount of digital solutions, the, the amount of automatization will be higher. But in the end, as long as, as workers are, let's say, that, that cheap and conditions are that complex, things will somehow remain like today. Of course, you have to think different. I hope that people change their way of thinking, the way of ordering things. I hope that we will have more sustainable solutions. And I believe also that companies will focus more on sustainable solutions, more on digital transparent processes. I'm afraid that we won't reach them everywhere. Uh, there will always be like, let's say, the processes in the good old way. But here for us, our aim is really to optimize those processes and those process steps that don't create value, that harm the people that are not valuable, that are not environmentally friendly. And that's our vision for BSF coatings, at least. But in general, I think in globally seen, there won't change too much. On the other hand, I believe also that those ones who don't change at all won't exist in 20 years, probably. Victor, it was inspiring to talk with you. I learned a lot about digitalization within logistics. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks a lot for the invitation and for the good exchange. Bye, Victor. Bye-bye, Benjamin. Take care. 
Thank you for listening and we hope you found this episode valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can find more information and resources at operationsone.com. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information.